everyone, and welcome to the ULP Podcast. As always, the ULP stands for Unflavored Licorice Packets. On this show, it's me, Scott Reed, along with... Ryan Johnson. Chris Starden. Jeff Rupert. And Corey Evanwright. The ULP is a podcast about games and gaming, where we talk about some new games, some old games, and some subjects about games. So we're a, we're a diverse group of, of individuals that, that play a lot of games. I'm Scott. I guess I'm kind of the historian. Ryan is the artist. Chris is the insider. Jeff is the wild card. And Corey is the noob. All right. Take it, Jeff. Let Jeff go. Hi, I'm Jeff. And <laughs> <laughs> we're back. I'm Jeff Rupert. I got into board games probably back in the late 90s. Uh, first introduced to them probably like 97 or something like that. And didn't seriously get into the hobby until about maybe five or six years ago because of uh, hanging out with Ryan. Probably blame most of my game addiction on him. And because of him, oh, yeah. got the rest of you guys. And uh, hang out with people like Chris Darden, game designer. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's me. Dun, 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 dun. I'm horrible at explaining rules. And I don't pay attention when people do explain them. That's me. What do you do for a living, Jeff? And what, what, what are your other hobbies? Nobody cares. This is your pedigree. You got to tell them what you're all about. I did uh, the intro music for the, the I did um, the hillbilly circus music. I currently work in IT for a medical company. And in my spare time, besides board games, I play music, uh, mainly guitar. Done that since I was 15. I'm 40 now. Uh, also like to skateboard and hang out with my dog. And um, that stuff. On the Twitter See? bio. Totally easy. Yeah, nailed it. I'm short. I'm left handed. <laughs> Bearded. Bearded. I'm a Pisces lady. This <laughs> is kind of a personal ad. I'm a, I'm a bicentennial baby. <laughs> Boom. Take that. I'm from Missouri, so you got to show me. <laughs> that uh, needs to stay in. Show sure enough. Next, Corey. Anybody? So, Corey, tell us about you. <laughs> uh, so, my name's Corey Evan Wright. Uh, I am uh, the, the probably the newbish of the of the newbest of the bunch because I I'm pretty new to games. Uh, my my gaming experience has been pretty much the the normal gamut of you know Monopoly, etc., Cards Against Humanity, things like that. But uh, I've always been interested. I think Ticket to Ride was the first game that I was like, oh, this is more intense than a normal game, and I might be interested in it. And I uh, got to know uh, Ryan through work, and uh, I knew he was kind of into games. We started chatting, and um, thus began the obsession with, oh my God, explain all these games to me. Let's try them all. That kind of thing. Um, so, like I said, just just getting into games. But uh, other than that, I'm a I'm a web developer. That's what I do in my spare time too. I also uh, play guitar, play some play some other instruments as well. Um, and that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. Corey, is there a hobby you don't do? No, there's not many hobbies I'm not into. Um, I have not got into uh, underwater basket weaving or crocheting. I'm sure I'll get there. Give it time. Nice. Crochet yeah. is where it's at. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
I, I do underwater croquet, but not crochet. <laughs> I just tend to follow the hipsters. That's, you know, wherever they're going, you, for sure crocheting I, is in. Not to make Scott feel bad, but you do make a pretty good cup of coffee also. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. <clears throat> Coffee's the hobby my wife doesn't want me to have because it's quite expensive, but not as expensive as guitars, so I don't see what she's complaining about. <laughs> or vinyl. Or... <laughs> or vinyl. The latest craze, yes. Like I said, I follow the hipsters. It's not a very hard path to follow. Look for the trail of receipts. <laughs> well, I'm Ryan Johnson. Um, I am an artist by trade. I work for a very large greeting card company. Um, I've been gaming, oh God, kind of like Chris for years. I mean, even as a young kid, I was, you know, I always kind of dug, you know, playing board games and stuff. Um, through college, I, you know, I dabbled in some of the new, you know, the new stuff I was seeing, you know, like Axis and Allies. And I think I played a tournament of that one time where, uh, you know, you had to, had to bid to be Germany, but, um, so I've always kind of been attracted to, to board games and uh, role-playing games and stuff like that. Uh, after college, though, it was mostly role-playing games until, you know, there was kind of a lull and, until, uh, one, you know, a couple of us went out and tried to, you know, tried our hand at picking out some board games. And uh, that really, you know, kind of solidified my love of that hobby. So um, as an artist, I, you know, I entertain the idea of trying to do some artwork uh, for board games, you know, thinking I'd love that. Um, it wasn't bad. I've got art credits for Eminent Domain from Tasty Minstrel Games. Uh, also, Dungeon Roll, which is designed by Chris Darden. I, I did most of the character cards in the... I think I did all the character cards in the original box and some of the ones in the expansions. Um, for Prolific Games, I did the entire art set for a game called Tricked Out Hero. It's a fantasy themed uh, kind of spades trick taking game um, other than that uh, early on I probably not too not too far away from meeting Scott Reed um, I found out he was an admin for uh, boardgamegeek.com and see I guess there was a couple years I did not go I didn't go to the first two board game geek conventions and was kind of jealous of that and um kind of on a whim one october got together with actually scott you weren't involved in the first one but or no you, i think you got we did one in the spring we did a I, I got together with my uh with my current game group at the time which scott was in and out of a little bit at that point and we went down to my parents lake house uh and that started the annual bubba geek uh game weekend and um it's really just a weekend where we all get to get down to the lake get away from everything including cell phone coverage and and uh game eat drink do all that stuff but uh for the first one i did a spoof caricature of uh the board game geek ernie geek and it was basically what if deliverance and board game geek were uh combined and somehow uh aldi saw got a hold of that somehow and and asked if i wanted to do artwork for i think it was board game geek con number three um so i did i did the uh, roman geek the caesar geek i think was what i did that year and um i've been doing the crokinole boards and the posters and all that stuff for board game geek ever since so um you know other than that 
my you know my collection's about 500 I think and uh you know I'm a I'm a father I've got a younger daughter and a and a almost teenage son so they've they've grown up you know on hobby games and you know all the games I get to test out and play with the guys so um other than that I just love playing games with these guys they're funny uh, let me. I'm gonna read you mine real quick, uh, just because I, I finally I, I've got a few notes to run from. Scott, tell us about yourself. Okay. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm Scott Reed. I'm an attorney, but I like to play games in my spare time. Part time attorney playing games in his spare time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been board gaming for about 14 years now. Though if you go back to 20, 25 years ago, I was playing Magic the Gathering in the 90s, so I've got that kind of to go on, but I really didn't get into my current state of gaming until the early 2000s. I originally started playing uh, Carcassonne with my brother, uh, and from that, I wanted to learn how to crush him at Carcassonne, so I looked up some strategy articles online that led me to a whole down a whole rabbit hole in, into gaming, uh, where I ran through some of the traditional uh, gateway games like Settlers and Carcassonne and Ticket to Ride and the like. Uh, but from there, I've grown and developed into a large collection of about six to 700 games. For, uh, for about seven years, I was the principal content admin at BoardGameGeek.com. Uh, so at, at a certain point, and I think I still probably have, have my thumbprint on over half of the game items in the database, uh, built a lot of the structures or conceived some of the structures and things that are in the database, uh, including some of the family linkages, uh, as well as how game expansions are handled, implemented implementations are handled, uh, and a whole whole host of other things um, in, in and associated with the site. I've been gaming with the guys in on the ULP for a various amount of time. Ryan and I have been gaming together for about ten years. I think Chris and I have been together for about five to six. I think I met Jeff three years ago, and Corey I met just a couple of months ago. Uh, but when we get together at conventions like uh, when we get get together at conventions like Geekway to the West or BGG.con or when we get together at Bubba Geek, we have generally have a pretty good time and, and play uh, and play a lot of fun stuff. Anybody else want to revise? I thought I was going to redo my whole thing because I kind of just blanked in the middle. I'm Chris Darden. I, uh, by trade, I am, believe it or not, actually in human resources. I am an analyst for a large company. Um, so I do a lot of human capital metrics. So I think that's what uh, just the way my mind works and the things I'm interested in is what led me to board gaming. I enjoy systems. I enjoy the way that the different components fit together and, you know, how you can manipulate situations or, you know, whatever into what, you know, winning conditions. I started gaming a long time ago as a kid, uh, pretty much been gaming my whole life, but in the Euro game kind of space and, and what we, what we consider tabletop now uh thanks will wheaton uh we have um basically started about you know 14 years ago or so i uh sold some games got uh had some store credit left at the store from playing magic like scott i played magic also and um saw the number one game on board game geek was puerto rico um decided to order it played it we loved it and we went from there and i've been gaming ever since Current collection size, I think, is about 800, uh, which is way too many. 
Um, I'm trying to scale that down, but uh, I have a good reason. So I have kids who I've been, so I've been buying kids games. I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old and they have both taken to the hobby. And I also am one of the people who run Geekway to the West. And for a long time, uh, the people who organize Geekway to the West, we all used part of our own collections to make up the library. And that's changed in recent years. So a lot more Geekway owns a lot more now, so we can kind of scale back and I seem to have gone the opposite direction, but <laughs> am working on getting rid of some games um, just because they don't get played. You know, it's way too much to even think about. There's some, uh, I like the guys here on this podcast. I like the stranger games, weird stuff, things that are on the fringe, whether it's theme or mechanics or things like that. I think that's one of the things that kind of binds us all together. Uh, as gamers is that we like the strange we like the the weird um whatever it is you know um, we will all play the mainstream games we all enjoy the things that other people you know seem to have taken to to various degrees but the one thing i can always count on is that somebody finds something weird you know out there to play that uh, one of us hasn't seen before we've only heard about and that's the kind of stuff that we play when we get together especially at big cons you know, we're the group playing Pie Face in the corner instead of, you know, Terra Mystica or whatever. So um, that's pretty much it for me. You didn't mention you were a designer of Dungeon Roll. Yeah, you, you skipped that. <sighs> I also have designed a board game <laughs> called Dungeon Roll. It's available in Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com and other fine retail stores. Um, it's gone pretty well for me. It, it was an interesting ride to get that uh made ryan did a lot of the art on it so i got to work with you know people i enjoyed on it and it's cool it's cool to have a design game it gets your foot in the door it opens up the conversation with publishers for geekway but also you know just people asking me about other things that i may want to design or help with you know in terms of developing other board games uh so it's it's really cool and like Corey, i'm in basically any hobby I think the only uh, real qualifier is it has to be expensive. Like, that's <laughs> that's the problem. So, board games. I own a few pinball machines. Um, did, did you get the caboose in your backyard yet? Beer. I, I would love to own a caboose someday. My wife keeps fighting me on that one. I would talk to my wife, Kristen, uh, who also helps with uh, Geekway and is a big gamer, um, about a vinyl the other day. And she's like, no, no, don't, don't even... Yeah, just don't go down that road. Don't even think about it. So, because she knows what my tendencies are in terms of collecting. So, so you're saying we should all just bring you like a record? Like, hey, Chris, I think you dig this. Yeah, <laughs> but but I don't have a turntable yet. Like yeah, the Deadpool one that I sent to Ryan today. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. I almost bu- I almost bought a trailer the other day because of Corey. <laughs> <laughs> We start talking we about do. trailers, and I, you know, I, I, I've searched a couple in the in the past. I, I love the idea of a teardrop ta- trailer because my kids in Boy Scouts, and and it sucks sleeping on the ground, right? So I'm looking at him. Corey's like, "Oh, have you have you ever looked at this camp?" Or a, you know, like starts naming off all these campers. I'm like, "Corey, st- stop it!" Yeah, I think that's a common theme between all of us. You know, it's if it can waste our money and we can get just a little bit of enjoyment out of it, you know, hog wild. Yeah, I, I already went down the vinyl path. I'm going to warn you, don't. But uh, if you do, it's 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 still kind of fun. Uh, it's a uh, if you especially if you regard it as, as the treasure hunt that it should be, 
that uh, I mean, you can always go to a record store and you can you can find you can you can find the find the mainstream things you want to buy. You can find sometimes find the more obscure things that uh, that are harder to find. Uh, but I feel like the real treasure hunt is either searching stores for searching mainstream stores for obscure items or going deep in thrift and seeing what you can find at thrift stores just after flipping through so many copies of Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass and some Al Hurt and whatever else that you, you come across some sort of mystical gem. Like like maybe you find like a copy of like a virgin or something like that. You know, it's just something that's that's mainstream. Or you find like like uh um the Pizza Time Wurlitzer uh <laughs> album which is actually not that great but uh it, it, it certainly seemed or, fun on the front or a 45 of rabbit screams yeah exactly. or a 45 of rabbit screams <laughs> or uh or another one of uh owls and crows fighting yeah yeah i think that the, the trick is to avoid like the record store day and the limited edition reissues yeah, and that. all that junk and just stick to what you know the the classics and I mean, this honestly, the, the, even the classics, if you can get an original, are super cheap right now. So, but yeah, yeah it's, and, a, it's one of those hobbies. <laughs> yeah. And I think you hit on what one of the things that attracts me to uh, just collecting in general, and that's the hunt, you know, mm-hmm. trying to find stuff because you can go online now and you can get just about anything, really, if you're willing to pay. But finding something out in the wild, there's a few books that I refuse to buy online that i want to find in a bookstore someday and i will probably die without having read them <laughs> because i will not buy them online you know you know you could probably borrow them from a library if you want to read them they're not, no they're... no i can't <laughs> no, he has to own them <laughs> yeah i have to <laughs> i have to find them. it in some bin for like a dollar 25 or whatever take it home and read it and enjoy it that's what i have to do what is that like for you guys when you find something that you're looking for because i never do I find all kinds of copies of crap that I don't want anything to do with. Uh, it's it's very much like a uh, a really deep Skinner response of uh, like the thing you know you you always have that short list in your mind of the things that you would absolutely just go crazy to find, and then when you do, uh, especially when you know you find it in the wild, it's just like oh 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 here's that thing here's that thing, uh, like uh, it's been about like two years ago or so because um, I do a lot of board game thrifting. Uh, two years ago, I was in a thrift shop in Kansas City and found a Schmidt Spiele version of a choir, which is it's the one that has the the uh, the actual little buildings that you plug into the board uh, and little you know, they're little plastic buildings. It's it's from Germany. It had no business being in in Kansas City. It had no business being in a thrift store. And weirdly enough, I come across it. There it is, and it, it was like six dollars, and half of the pieces weren't even punched out of there or half the uh, uh half the buildings were still in a little shrink wrap packet and that is over like 10 years of thrifting far and above my best find ever like i found i found a copy of civilization that had part of the civs unpunched but that's a domestic item and it's 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 a avalon hill and there were a fair number of printed so i mean it's something that you could not necessarily, i mean the, the unpunchedness was was its own thing but you can, you know, there's plenty of people that are like on thrift store lists. They're like, "Oh, I found Civilization this week. I found Civilization this week." But that uh, that Schmidt Spiel in a non-German speaking area, and that it was in that condition, was just just something special. And and uh, yeah, it's 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 finally having that hunt pay off. And then that's the that's the one the one type of find that makes it okay for you to go back to that place 100 more times and not find anything. Finally, get bitter about it, and then maybe someday down the line you find a little one more thing there. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll keep coming back here, I guess. 
Plus, so, it makes for a so, great story too. Yeah. So there's squealing involved. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. It was it was very it was very surprising. I was I was walking on air on the way to the. Uh, uh, well, I was mostly walking on the air because I I didn't actually have a chance to open it up and inspect it inside the store, and it wasn't until I got it home that I found that it was not only uh, the, a version that I'd wanted so badly, but then also in fantastic condition. Yeah, and I think part of the problem, right, and now that we've all found one another, it's solved, but, you know, you see something cool in a thrift store, right, and, you know, I, I can tell Scott now, I can go, hey, Scott, look at this, look what I found, you know, and he's like, hey, look at this, you know, like, that's pretty good, or, you know, he can send something to me, and we have that in common now, so. Yeah, that's true. Plan. Yeah. I find games that nobody cares about, and I'll never play, that are in, like, unpunched perfect condition and then i buy them and they just sit and rot on my shelf speaking of which how did we not play that boggle game body, oh, yeah, boggle? body boggle yeah yeah i don't know i mean it, it was there i brought the oil too so you know it, right yeah no uh, so body boggle is uh like twister but with letters so you know big selling point for lots of people i'm sure right <laughs> Oh, I can't spell and I'm fat. Yep. But I got to reach this QU to make this work. <laughs> I do yeah. like rubbing my tummy on other people. Yeah. And that's what it's perfect. And while you're spelling tummy. I mean, right. There you go. Know. That's, like, that's like three <laughs> levels of tummy. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I want to take us on a ta- tangent, but Scott, you said something when you were talking about your uh, your history with games, and you said that like looking up strategy for Carcassonne kind of got you further into games yeah and i've been putting that off for a long time like because I, I notoriously did pretty poorly in basically every game at bubba geek mm-hmm. um and i was like maybe i should look up some strategies and then i was like you know what maybe i shouldn't because then i'm gonna dive deep and i'm gonna want every game so i can try playing it again and try the strategies out so but is that beat, is that like you a beat scott at uh, puerto rico didn't you <laughs> yeah. i believe so yeah i, yeah, I, I think did, you got I, an achievement for that yeah I, pretty much Speaking of achievements, that's something Ryan and I talked about the other day that that we're going to try to integrate into uh, either podcasts or onto uh, ludography stuff. But that's, oh, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. That's a little bit separate, but yeah. Um, the funny thing about about uh, about it was that it actually is happened almost like you said. Was that I dove, I looked up Carcassonne strategy, and then I've read about so many other games, and then from there it was a buying bonanza where uh, I spent a lot of money that I didn't have. Because I wanted so many games, uh, because it, you know, it was that it was that that excitement of the new, and then also uh, the perception of of scarcity. That well, if I don't buy this game today, it might go out of print. And then what am I going to do? Or hey, there's this game that's out of print, and now I got to have it. And the price is probably pretty okay, so I should go ahead and do it. Just yeah, just total junky thoughts. Uh, so yeah, I would recommend avoid those. Um, or, that's you know, actually what I hate <laughs> about you guys sometimes, because I'll I'll have a game that. Like we'll get we'll be at a get together, and somehow the game will come up like when like Gulo Gulo let's say, mm-hmm. and I'll find out that three months ago you guys all knew that it was like like an eighty dollar game because it was completely out of print and not gonna get printed again, and by the time you guys tell me it's back down to like a fifteen dollar game. <laughs> I'm not as good as that. I'm I'm not I don't have my finger on the pulse of the market anymore because I'm not trying to buy quite as many games, but. I'm with you there. I've I've probably had the same thing happen on some items I, I'm holding on to that I've held on to for too long. Um, but core the other thing I would say about strategy as well is that most of the time, it's you know you can go ahead and read strategy and maybe that would make a difference for you. 
but I think that the the uh, overall, when it comes down to it, that you know, if you want to look up strategy, you're you're better off just playing a wider variety of games and having a, a better perspective on what things generally work and being able to spot the engine in the game than trying to read up on any individual strategy. That's what I was thinking too, because I mean, I don't even have like a basic understanding of like chess strategy, which probably would help a lot for certain games. So, well, maybe not, nope. but certain types of games, nah. perhaps. I don't. I mean, nope. I, I basically have not studied any strategy. So for me, and I haven't played a lot of different types of games too. I think that's a big part of it is just playing more games. I'll probably learn different mechanics better and things like that. You know, so that's well, a lot of it. Yeah. yeah, and I'll say that one of the one of the great things about this group is, um, and we've commented about this amongst ourselves in the past. Uh, there's a virtual absence of AP. You know, I don't, I don't think any of us, you know, are really the, you know, so uptight about a, a game turn that we're going to spend 20 minutes thinking about it before we make our move. And, you know, beyond that, everybody's really just really forgiving of, you know, the, you know, the, the experience, you know, I'd, I'd much rather play a game with you four and lose it completely than not play a game at all. So, you know, I think that's a pretty common thing among all of us. Yeah, I, I'm with you. That, yeah, I agree that the, uh, that we don't ha- tend to not have any problems. We don't have a lot of problems with AP and that, that, uh, we all have a, we, the this group and the people I generally play with tend to have a perspective that the the you know the game just keeps moving. You don't you don't sit and stare at the board for five minutes on your turn because your five minutes are taking are making the game last five minutes longer for all of us. Um, and that uh that this this group and the people I play with tend to proceed through games at a fairly quick pace. Uh, but yeah, that also that there's no it's it, we're competitive enough that we each want to win, but nobody really cares enough that that it matters that somebody did win. Uh, nobody is trying to go, go cutthroat because they want to win at all costs. Everybody is, you know, the, the fact that you played is, is the real key to it, and whether you won or lost is, is secondary. Yeah, which is what I've enjoyed about playing games with you guys so far, too. I don't feel pressured to, or, and you guys don't, don't react that way to, to playing games, which is good. I just feel like the, the playing is what's rewarding, and that, you, know, well, you guys have reinforced that pretty well. And for any noobs listening, AP is analysis paralysis. Oh uh, yeah, good point. I yeah. had to Google that. I, I, I think it would it would help you to learn how to bluff a little bit, though, Corey. Yeah, maybe just, just a little. An honest guy, man. A little bit of a poker face may well, help you it, go a little ways. And it might help too that you're never around when we're making fun of you about it. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I go into every game expecting to lose. I never expect to ever win a game. It's always about the experience for me. Well, you know, in, in that vein, I'm going to go ahead and like I'll, I'll start in a, by saying the, the things I like about playing the games with you guys, like Jeff, for instance. You know, we we kind of coined you the wild card at, at the beginning of the show, and that is so true in my experience with you gaming. And he's taking his shirt off, um, <laughs> but there have been games where like you never know. Well, sometimes sometimes we know that you're tanking a game, like in Boomtown. <laughs> but uh, there have been games where it seems like you don't know what the hell you're doing, and maybe <laughs> you don't. But then, like somewhere along the line, you like watching you catch on or either solidify your strategy and you know compete is a you know is a real joy for me. And then and then there have been other times like I mean, there was a game of Seasons that you and I played. And you do you kick the living crap out of me, so you know it's fun to watch you play. It's 
it's never the same experience twice. Um, Corey with Corey, it's, you know, it's always interesting watching somebody new to the hobby kind of come in and, you know, I, I get to relive a little bit of, you know, the, the, the newness of these games through Corey. And it's exciting for me to be able to kind of, you know, think back to the games that really stick out to me and suggest them to you. And, you know, they may be something that you absolutely hate, but, you know, you know, at least I can kind of experience that through you. So, um, with Scott, Scott, you're actually one of the funnier people I know. Um, I, I don't ever get bored playing games with you. Um, whether it's your impersonations or, you know, just, just the, the, the quick wit that you come up with. Um, but on top of that, you know, again, we called you the historian and, you know, there's this real comfort I have with not knowing anything about a game or its history and just asking you and you, you know, you usually bore me to tears with all the details. That's uh, but, that's what I do. Uh, I inform people against their will. <laughs> but you, I mean, you just by, you know, just be by being that guy you were for board game geek, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you soaked in and, you know, it's nice to have that in a game group because, you know, there's stuff that's always connected, you know, to the games we play now, to, you know, in the past. And then uh, good old Chris Darden. Uh, I would not have uh, had as many game credits with my art artwork as I do now without you. So, you know, it was a blast uh, helping you design. I didn't design any of Dungeon Roll, but designing the characters was a, was a real blast. And, and you know, since then I've kind of watched as, you know, because I think your career really is, does shine through in your gaming because you tend to pick up on those, you know, those systems. And, you know, if I've ever got something in my head for, you know, a game, which is, if it's in my head, it's never going to, you know, be something that I follow through on and make a game out of, but you're the guy I can go to and just, you know, say, Hey, what, you know, what do you think of this? Or, you know, have you ever thought about this? Or, you know, there's been times when we've played really marginal old games like murder. She wrote and watching you play it and conceive your own, you know, uh, re-envisioned, you know, format for that. That stuff's always kind of fun. So, you know, that, that's why I really appreciate about it, appreciate about you guys and why I think this podcast actually says something that some podcasts don't and jobs for everybody. I was going to say, is this Ryan, are you, uh, did you not tell us that you're going through a 12 step program and this, uh, this is I didn't where you have to, to nobody. <laughs> are you dying? <laughs> We're all dying. Well, he is trying to buy a house. It's you guys can smell this room right now. You might think <laughs> <laughs> you got, the, you got the colon cancer. <laughs> Let's just say I had a lot of popcorn at the, at the ball field tonight. <laughs> ah, so you're shooting dry ones. Got it. Uh, <laughs> no, they're buttery. <laughs> Chris, Chris, I was going to ask you earlier when you were talking about Dungeon Roll, what was the hardest thing about designing that for you? Uh, it was actually just... um coming up with an idea to begin with my my biggest problem is if i start with something that's too kind of wide open where i can go anywhere with it i tend to stall out like i'll i'll freeze i'll 
be considering too many like different things and I won't make progress on anything. Once I actually, I, what I did basically is I started with the mechanic, a very simple mechanic, and then um, saw that it was working, messed around with it, and then attached the theme to it, and then went from there and kept it very simple on purpose, kept the mechanics very low. Um, what it is now was a result of uh, me selling kind of the base concept of the game and the things that you could do with it, um, kind of piece, piecing in a few of the things like the uh, like more developed characters and so on, um, saying that that was the way that Tasty Minstrel wanted to go. And then so I created all of that stuff kind of as a add-on to the base mechanics of the game. So Did you have a, did you have a point in the game design where like... Uh like you came to like a standstill or what would be like, uh, I don't know what to do next. Or like this one thing's driving me nuts and I can't figure it out like a stumbling block or like some sort of it's like writer's block, but game design block kind of thing. Uh, with dungeon roll, not really. Uh, there was a few things that didn't work out with it. Uh, some ideas I tried and they didn't quite work and I really wanted them to work. Um, but it was just too clunky in the end. So I just always defaulted to simplicity uh, with that particular game. There's been other games where I've run into, I really want this feel. I want to explore this kind of thing. I want this kind of system. And as much as I try, it just doesn't work. So, and I've tried designing from theme multiple times and I design way better from uh, a mechanic standpoint. If I have a few mechanics or systems that kind of inter interrelate with one another, once I get that working, at that point, I kind of inject the theme in there, and then from there, other things will grow out of that. But I need something in place to begin with. It kind of follows the rule of content is king, right? I mean, gameplay is king. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it also, you know, there's there's two different sides, right? There's like the Knizia style, where he starts with a mechanic, and, you know, his games are generally considered dry and lifeless. You know, the theme is pasted on, that kind of thing. And then there's the way other extreme, like most of the crap that uh, Fantasy Flight puts out, you know, in my opinion. You know, it's all Chrome. It's all their, uh, there used to be their own terrible IPs, but now they're actually got real ones, you know, with like Star Wars and such. But uh, to me, you get to a point where there's no game like Arkham Horror. You know, to me, it's, that's a, it's just kind of a, this random eight hour thing, you know. I know it doesn't always take that long, but... It, I, I think there needs to be a balance, and I think I, my personal style falls too far along one side than the other, um, and and that can turn some people off, which is very evident in the ratings of Dungeon Roll. Yeah, <laughs> people hate that game. Uh, there are people who love it too, though. Yeah, you know, and, and I would much rather have a slew of tens and a slew of ones than like someone that goes on Board Game Geek and rates it a five and leaves some BS comment about Monopoly or something like those people. I just want to punch in the face, you know, but if you say I hate this game and I set it on fire and then take a picture of you, you know, peeing on it or whatever, I am all about that. That's awesome. Imagine. Yeah. I'm I just want a GG right now in rating Dungeon Roll of five and talking Excellent. about didn't talk about five, Monopoly. Yeah. Five point one seven five. Yeah, yeah five point one seven five. Kind of felt like Monopoly deal to me. I don't know. Yeah, it's some random BS. Uh, it felt like advanced to boardwalk. That's yeah, advanced to like. boardwalk. Now, when now when Jeff asked you that question, I was sure you were going to say sitting in a hotel room, sipping Maple Crown Royal, signing four hundred posters. Uh, I mean. 
that's like the pinnacle of right. game design, right? <laughs> at Gen Con, when we could have been at the Red Garter. Yeah, we could have been doing anything else. Yeah, that that Gen Con, it was. Um, uh, that was rough. I, it was rough. I I tried to be in the moment, every moment of it, and lived in it because I don't know if it'll ever happen again. You know, but I. Uh, it is not what I want to do. I do not want to be in the games industry full time. You know, I've had offers to join some game companies and I I don't want to mix my hobby with work. Yeah. For it, reference, it, it, that was the Gen Con year that uh, Tasty Minstrel released Dungeon Roll. And uh, Chris and I, one of the other artists and a bunch of kids just demoed uh, Dungeon Roll for about three and a half days. Yeah straight yeah lots of dice rolling yeah. and i came by and harassed you every hour and a half yeah i played one other game other than dodger roll that entire gen con that year well we did you did you know you did get a you know throw out there that you were the dragon slayer and that you know yeah that's, that's where true. i came up with the uh the damn handsome scout because that that's a self-portrait so yeah and it was cool meeting you know the kickstarter backers and people who enjoyed the game and kids who like it and so on like that experience was great but man i i can't do it i wouldn't want to do it i wouldn't want to be a publisher or part of a game company and just doing cons all the time and selling your own stuff and demoing it sounds like hell to me really i want the like antoine bowser schedule you know where he designs shows up for two hours and signs some autographs and then he gets the hell out of there yeah like that that's the life right there Chris, I think for that for that uh for that kind of reception, you need to put on a, a fake French accent and then just feign that you don't speak any English, and so that way you just come in, you you meet a few people, and you leave. I I have to go. Yeah, yeah. My children need wine and brie. <laughs> no, no one is going to look at Chris Darden and think that he's French. Uh, he's put a beret on him and a baguette under his arm. Yeah, we'll believe yeah. it. Seriously, now, Norwegian... even though I even though I am French, but yeah, Bouban, yeah. So Ryan, what about what do you? I look like, Ryan? Hold on, hold on. What do <laughs> I look like, Ryan? With that beard, like you, like you could show up on the cast of the Vikings or Vikings. Yep. Uh, yeah. So Ryan, where do you start with art? Where do you start with? Chris starts. Chris likes to have a mechanic for games. Where do you start with art? You uh, I start idea with or a concept, or you just start sketching. Well, I start with about one, about four fifths of the time I spend on it procrastinating. Uh, but then, no, I usually go for, um, uh, you know, it's, it's either or I, I spend about, I spend a lot of time just kind of surfing the internet and, and, you know, kind of priming the creative punk just to kind of look at stuff that I like. I always go to the place where, you know, if someone asked me to do sci-fi, which, you know, when I, when I got asked to do some eminent domain stuff, I wasn't a huge, I'm not a huge fan of the you know, 70s sci-fi, because I really don't think sci-fi beyond some of the, you know, some like Star Wars and, uh, you know, some of the big licenses. I don't think it's really progressed past the 70s, right, image-wise. <clears throat> and, um, but, you know, that doesn't mean I can't, you know, do a, an image search on Google and just figure out what appeals to me. And after I've got enough of that, then I kind of, you know, I just start sketching and, you know, I sketch on vellum so that I can overlay, you know, because usually one sketch is terrible. The second one I'll overlay is less terrible. And by about six or seven vellums, you know, I've got something that looks like I like, like I want it to be. 
And um, now dungeon roll was actually pretty, pretty easy for me. We got between, you know, so the, the taste of minstrel guys really kind of came up with the types of people they wanted, the types of characters. Um, but Chris and I were able to kind of carry on the side dialogue about, you know, because I was very attuned to what Chris wanted to see in his game. You know, I think, I think I'm correct in saying you really didn't, you know, you weren't aimed at a fantasy theme when you came up with the game. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, his thumbprint was kind of on the characters and, and what he wanted to see. So, you know, you know, anywhere from the Dragon Slayer, which was, you know, basically me just doing a caricature of Chris to the Paladin that was supposed to have cleavage, but then there was an outcry on Kickstarter. And by outcry, I mean three of like 5,000. Uh, so I had to cover her chest up because Paladins just would not show their cleavage. Um, no, it was, that stuff was all, you know, pretty the concepts came pretty, pretty quickly to me. And, you know, I've got like any artist, I've got probably 10 pounds worth of sketches that don't go anywhere. So you're always able to kind of source out of those. And, um, eminent domain, I actually got Jeff is a card in eminent domain. I've still not gotten Scott in the game in any game. Uh, and Corey, you're too new. Sorry. I do more. I've actually kind of learned that, you know, while it's kind of fun to do artwork for board games, uh, the board game industry doesn't really, I mean, there are some companies that obviously value art above, you know, a lot of others, but, um, you know, Kickstarter's really kind of thrown a wrench in what, what freelance artwork for games looks like. And, you know, I, I have a full-time job. I, you know, I coach two different sports for my kid and there's boy scouts and all this other stuff. So, you know, if companies change their timelines or, you know, want something quick, I'm not their guy. You know, I, I try to make sure anything I, I do looks, you know, as good as it can, but down Jeff's not even here. I had to let his dogs out. Ah, I was listening though. What's your, what's your history with, with art though? I've actually meaning to ask you that. Like, where did you start with art and are you, did you go to school for it? Um, I, I did go to school for it, but so I have a very petty uh, start in art. I think I, I mean, like my parents tell me I was always drawing, you know, I was that kid that was drawing, you know, more three-dimensional early than, than, you know, other kids. But I mean, that was always, it was just always just kind of a, like a minuscule hobby until uh, my grandmother. So I have cousins that live, uh, that lived quite a ways away. Uh, and my grandmother on my father's side would go spend time with them. And when she would come back to all of her other grandchildren, she just would not shut up about my one cousin Lee and how damn good he was. So, I mean, I, I, I just got sick of her saying that so much that, you know, I wanted the kudos. And so, you know, I started at the time I was, a you know, I was already collecting comic books and I was probably seven or eight. And then, you know, I just, I mean, I, I basically was a photocopier, you know, for the comics I loved until it kind of became a passion. And then, you know, I, I actually went to school to be an engineer because that's what the uh, counselor said you could make money at. Because when you ask a counselor, what should I do to go make money? They will never say artist, um, which is a sad thing, really, I guess. But 
Uh, I didn't like engineering school. I, I, I would have been good at it, I think, but it was just none of it seemed interesting. So I dropped out of engineering school, went to art school, um, actually community college, and then a, you know, a state university. So I have a bachelor's of fine arts in commercial art with an emphasis in children's book illustrations, which I have done zero of. Ryan, it sounds like I need to bring you. Uh, I need to send you the script for my for my book, uh, Mister Scott and the Search for the Ultimate Cup of Coffee. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'll see if I can find it and send it over to you. You can illustrate that, and we'll uh, we'll go make some money. Well, that's and that's probably one hobby you guys don't really know about. Like, I mean, I mean, my kids are eight, so Sam's still kind of my daughter. Sam, she'll still like read the picture books with me, but I mean, I own probably. 400 picture books and it's like you guys have to stay away from the vinyl stacks if i go to barnes and noble i have to stay out of the children's section because i i'll want every new cattle cot book you know most of the newberry books just to kind of see what it, you know what's really kind of getting the awards and you know, heaven forbid i find something that you know like a long time ago i saw a calendar for um the wizard of oz done by charles santori who does watercolor? And I'm, I've always been kind of partial to watercolor. You know, searching that guy, that guy's stuff out has cost me a lot of money. And uh, you know, Scott Gustafson is another uh, just brilliant children's book illustrator. Um, I've actually gotten to meet him through a science fiction and fantasy um, art convention that they. Uh, it's actually in California now, but it used to be here in Kansas City, called Spectrum. But um, yeah, and then you know. Someday, you know, I have a pipe dream of being able to quit doing what I'm doing for the greeting card company and, you know, doing what I want artistically, but I'll wait. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned uh, engineering because I've always been very creative too. And I think engineering is really not the place for people that are creative, but uh, it's interesting to hear your, your art history. I was curious about that because you do definitely have a knack for sketching things. It's like a, obviously have a natural like way to put that on paper. Translate, yeah, translate things well. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's fun. It can be. I can be frustrating as hell. Like, actually, the year you guys all threw your your uh, convention badges at me, like, draw something on here. That, like, I was kind of stressing out because, you know, <laughs> you know that because that you know that was the year I was actually trying to make you know trying to make a run at being a board game, you know, freelance artist, and I, I didn't want anybody looking at something and going. Uh, what is that? Who drew that? So, Way to be an artist. Right. <laughs> well, and as an artist, you know, it can be kind of uh, deflating. Like, I'm my worst, I'm a, you know, I'm the my worst critic, and that can kind of wear on you after a while. It's just, it's a weird dichotomy of, you know, I'm doing it partially because, you know, it, it's fun to be creative, but then I'm also doing it because I want people to comment on it, whether it's good or bad. Like Chris said, if, you know, the people are like, eh, okay. You know, I don't want to hear from them. I want to hear, God, that sucks, you know, <laughs> or you want to hear, Oh, I really like your stuff. And, and, you know, it's an ego feed. So, you know, life in an artist is not an easy thing. But For me, some a- of my, my favorite art of yours is from tricked out hero. Like that sketchy, style yeah that was enjoyable to me that's more your art than like 
the stuff in Dungeon Roll and Imminent Domain, like I see your stuff and I'm like, okay, that's obviously Ryan. But to me, like your art style is more like that sketchy stuff to me. Yeah, to it's me. definitely more forgiving. Me? Yeah. And we're just going to find a game. What what game should I? Basically, don't color anything is what I'm saying, Ryan. <laughs> well, right. so here's, so here's, here's, you know, as I'm, as I was coloring the Dungeon Roll characters, like I actually detest digital artwork. I'm not, I'm not that great. At, there are guys out there that are just amazing, but. So for me, it's just like I'm old enough, I guess, to where it bothers me that there is not any, you know, actual living piece of colored dungeon roll art, right? It's digital. And, you know, the, the only thing that's there, actually, I gave Chris the, uh, which one did I give you? The necromancer? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the sketch to me is so much more valuable than anything that... <laughs> That's classic. Uh, all right, yep. Scott. How did you become a lawyer? Tell us all about it. Why did you want to become one? Uh, uh, because I didn't know what else I was going to do. Uh, yeah, it's not a very good story. I. Uh, I... All right, Corey. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating, <I'm sorry>. Corey. <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. <laughs> I'm sorry. See, this is Scott. what the podcast needs more of. <laughs> Actually, no, Jeff. That was that was the perfect spot to cut me off because you're right. It, it's not a very good story. I mean, like you could have done so many, like so many other answers to that question. Like, what do I want to do? I don't know. I don't know. Lawyer. Like that was a, that was an expensive decision that day. <laughs> it, it it was. It was. Uh, I don't know. At the time, I. Uh, I think that a lot of people who end up going into law, and I, I, I'm one of them, uh, read all the things that say, hey, don't do this. Hey, this is a poor idea. Uh, it's very competitive, and, and you won't succeed. And I'm like, well, you, don't know, you don't know me. I'm going to do just fine. And then, Challenge no, no accepted. I, was, I was totally wrong. <laughs> Natural break. Yeah. All right, come on, Corey. You don't know us. You don't know any of us very well, so throw us some questions here. <laughs> well, I already threw you one. Yeah. Uh, man, where to start? So uh, let's let's go for. Well, are we keeping it game related? Or are we just going? No, just whatever. Just go whatever. All right. So Jeff, your music history. You've been playing for, hold on, twenty five years now. Yeah. That's a lot of music. It is a lot of music. Where'd that start? Um, my well, mainly my grandpa. Like hearing stories from him. Like everybody in my family. Oh, my mom's side of the family is pretty musical. My grandpa, when he. I don't know when he started playing guitar, but when he was in the Navy, he uh, had a guitar with him. He got out of the Navy. He formed a country and Western band and played on the radio, like a weekly radio show. And it was back before tape. They had the wax reels. And so they would record the show on the wax reel, and they could only play it like a couple of times that week. And so he and his band would go back in the next week and record a new show on the new wax reel. And so they would just... That's what they did. And then he had a band with all my, all his sons and daughters, my aunts and uncles. And um, anyway, just growing up, he told me all these stories, showed me like a ton of pictures of him and like famous country people and just like music nonstop. Every time I was over there, it was always like just inundated with all kinds of music. 
And at one point, I'm like, I want to learn how to play guitar, like Grandpa. And so my, I asked for a guitar when, uh, I guess it was, it was when I was 15. Asked my mom for a guitar for Christmas, and uh, Christmas rolls around, open up all the presents, and there's no guitar. And I was just like, heartbroken. And I guess my mom could tell. So she's like, wait, I think there's one more present. It's in our bedroom. Uh, you have to go in there and get it. And so I go in there, and there's like this old beat-up guitar case. I open it up, and it's my grandpa's old acoustic guitar. Like, just like an old harmony. Like, you could order out of a Sears catalog yep. back in the day. But it was his um, his cousins or his brothers, one of the two. And it was, it was given to him. So it's like family heirloom, I guess. You can't play it past the third fret. I learned, (laughs) you know, years later, I'm like, this is not a great guitar. But at the time, it was like amazing. And so I played around thinking I knew what I was doing. My mom ended up getting uh, getting some lessons through local college, Central Missouri State University at the time. And I had a really cool um, guitar teacher from Lake St. Louis who was going to school there, uh, working on his master's degree. And took lessons for like two three semesters with him and then everything else since then just been by ear um learned how to play drums i actually played drums before i played guitar and trombone and like school band and that kind of thing and taught myself how to play uh keyboard piano type thing um yeah so music's always been around i just love music yeah what bands have been in jeff what uh, projects? The my very first band was called the Dead Bugs, <laughs> which is taken from a Stephen King novel. Um, it was just me and my a friend Dave, and we had no idea what we were doing. But he was like, he was the DJ, and I was a guitar player, and I had like a guitar and an amp and a delay pedal, and I was like, yeah, we're gonna make some cool music. We never really did anything. We just like hung out in his basement and made noise, and then. I was in a uh, the church I went to back in high school and like early college. They had like a youth group band called Powerhouse. Put some reverb and delay on that, Scott. Would you? Powerhouse. <laughs> we we just did like covers of like contemporary Christian songs, like DC Talk and stuff like that. And then keyboard player in that band, my friend Chris. He and I started a band called Plus One. And then he and the uh, he and the bass player moved to Nashville to go to Belmont University. So I flew down a few times to visit them. And I said, screw it, I'm going to move down here. So I moved down here. And then all three of us were trying to get our drummer to move down here, but he ended up falling in love. <sighs> and, then, <laughs> and, and moved to California, and I have not heard from him since. Since like 97, 98, I have not heard from him since, which sucks. Because he's a really cool dude. Then I moved down here. Um, same friend Chris was in a uh, another band called Shepherd Hall, who was another. They were like a Christian acapella group, and they decided they wanted to expand their horizons, so they hired a band and changed their name. Um, Chris was a keyboard player in that, and our other roommate Mike was a guitar player. He quit, and I filled in a couple of shows. So then they asked me to tour with him full time. So I did that for like six or seven months. And then they broke up. I like to blame myself. 
for that. <laughs> and ever since then, just doing my own thing. Just record stuff at home. Um, met a friend down here named Dave, and we started a band called Black Caverns. Um, blackcaverns.bandcamp.com plug in there get the plug in there (laughs) all instrumental rock kind of moody stuff i did the opening music for this podcast um i've done music for the don and drew show i've done uh which is another podcast that's been around since 2004 um i've done music for well there's a new one i did music for called uh uh, this idiot father, I think is what he's calling it. That's not out yet, but I uh, did music for that. Um, I did one, did music for another podcast called Fork This, which is some friends of mine from Australia, which is where Alan Rickman is from. Well, I say, well, Alan Rickman, <laughs> you know, Snipe. Is he Snipe? I, I always thought of him as being Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Yep, yep, because yay, Mr. Falcon. My favorite line of his from Die Hard. Uh, <laughs> I'm Snipe. <laughs> Laviosa. I'll be Snipe in a few years. <laughs> no, but being in Nashville has been amazing because all my neighbors, everybody down here is some sort of musician or in the music business. So you can just go downtown at any, any night, any time and see amazing bands. Amazing musicians. Yeah, how many? I mean, how many? How many shows do you go to a month? Uh, now when I was working third shift, it was just that show would have to be on the weekend. So for like six years, I didn't really go to a show during the week. But now that I work, quote unquote, normal hours, I probably go on a good week, maybe three or four shows a week. Um, like this week, uh, I'm going to two. Um, so I don't know, maybe. Anywhere from like six to ten a month, probably. It's more than I do. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. And then every every like every once in a while there's a big band that comes through, you know, I'm really into horns and trumpets and that kind of thing. Big band's really my thing. Little <laughs> <laughs> big Glenn Miller. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh no. Herb Albert. That's what I'm into. There you go. Look at that. Brought the conversation full circle. Full circle. <laughs> 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 I just heard an awesome interview with Herb Albert on uh, Mark Marin's WTF podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't know he was the A in A and M Records. Mm-hmm. Albert and Moss. No idea about that. Boom! Informed you against your will. Well, Mark. That's Marin why you're that. here. That's why you're here, Scott. I do. Mark Mar- Mark Marin informed me, and it was. I was I, informing everyone else. I, I listened to it. <laughs> All right. So to bring it back back to games a little bit. <clears throat> What what is everyone's favorite type of game? Think about it. Think about it. Corey, go. No nope, one. Nope. Me first. No, that's tough. So being a noob, about... I haven't played many, but I will say <laughs> that's way too broad to say. I like dice games and card games, <laughs> but that's way that's very broad. So far, we've only played a few games. The dice games have been really enjoyable. Uh, that are dice based. But um, so you like okay, so luck-based so random games. Well, so instead of that question to Corey, how about this question? Because we got we got a couple classics in down at the lake. Um, what was your impression of playing something like Puerto Rico? 
that you'd kind of read about and, and the hype is pretty big on what, you know, what, what was your reaction to it? Um, well, I mean, for me, I get overwhelmed quickly and easily, but that one didn't overwhelm me as much as some of the other games we played. There wasn't too much that I had to keep track of. Uh, and what I did have to keep track of was a little bit easier. Um, so I, I don't know if it's just the way it's, if it's well designed or if it's just more simple, I don't know which one of those it is. You guys could fill that part in, but uh, my impression was that it played smoothly for me, which is big. So I, I enjoyed that for well, that reason. And can you confirm that your strategy was to do what Scott wanted to do before Scott could do it? <laughs> no, it's not my strategy as much as it may have seemed like it. <laughs> it was not. No, Scott I mean, and I were I'm, pretty sure that was your strategy. I have seen you what Darden wanted to do. Yeah, the two noobs basically attacking the player to our left. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, what about you? What's your what I think I know, but what's your what's your uh favorite kind of it used to be like Ameritrash, full on Ameritrash. I hate well, I don't hate them anymore, but I did not enjoy Euro games. But anymore, just light Euros are my kind of thing. Like Lords of Waterdeep, Downfall of Pompeii, I guess would be considered a light Euro. Um, just that kind of thing. I like a little bit of theme, a little bit of fun, but I like a slight brain burner kind of vibe going on at the same time. Scott, what about you? Uh, I think that the, the game, sort of the game, game type that, uh, that I like the best is generally, um, market manipulation, commodity speculation games. Uh, like we've, we've previously talked on an episode about Haben Gut and how I like that. I also like De Handler. Um, to a small extent, I like Mercurius and a few other games that, that sort of fit that that genre of uh, buying goods, tweaking the market up and down, and then trying to sell for a profit. What was the German CD game that you guys were playing? Uh, Schrödelstille. I like to call it DJ Jazzy German. Yeah, and that, that yeah that one I think also also fit in that one, fit in that that genre pretty well. That seemed like to me that seemed like something that you would enjoy. Mm-hmm. That was pretty chaotic, though. I will say, for it did have a lot of chaos. Yeah, Chris, what about you, game designer and such? And use that term like it's a dirty word. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah, I need hates a, games. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I need a game where uh, you can take some risk. Uh, there needs to be something in there that has a uh, an element of gambling or. Uh, where you can stretch or manipulate the odds or play the odds even, you know, that, that kind of mitigation of luck. I need a little bit of luck in there. Um, perfect information games are fine. You know, I enjoy them, but I don't enjoy them as much as something where I can really take a shot at something bigger and and pull away in that way. So I don't know exactly what genre that is, though, you know, uh, how that exactly fits into it, but I, I do enjoy like press your luck games and you know things like that. But I need a little bit of gambling, I need something outside the system, whether it's a catch up kind of thing that can naturally happen or a way that you can. I need a move in a game that seems really cool and unique, like where everything kind of falls in together, and you're like, Yeah, you know, I pulled all of that off by setting all this up and taking a bit of a chance. What would be an example of something like that? Oh man. Um pick one, Chris. Pick one. <laughs> um I think a lot of it to me is, you know, 
you were banking on, uh, if I can bank on what how I know the other players and what I think they're going to do, and then they do it and it leaves an opening for me of the thing I wanted to do, then that's kind of where I'm at. So I don't know, things like maybe raw, you know, or uh, um, just, yeah, the, the games where you, you kind of know what the other players are thinking and what they're doing, you know, and, and like kind of get into what their strategies are and then playing around that and taking a chance that they're not going to screw you on something. Uh, it's hard to describe. I mean, because some of my top games are like, you know, like Raw and Samurai and, you know, it just even things like Space Hulk and Tichu and Turf Master, like they all seem very different, but I think they all have that kind of element of you can maybe take a little bit of a chance and try something or, or take advantage of someone not uh, seeing something that you do in a game. Yeah, I see that. Skill, skillful outmaneuvering. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I need, I need a bit of cleverness in a game. That's really it. You know, if I feel like I can be clever in some move that I pulled off, even if I lose, I'll be happy with the game. But I think you can take that too far, too. Like games like, uh, oh, like Quirkle or Ingenious, I think they give you kind of a false sense of cleverness, you know? Um, I don't think you really have to work too hard to make that big play in either of those. Right. What about you, Ryan? You know, I I don't I've not really narrowed it down to a genre. There's you know, I'd say there are definitely games I don't enjoy. Like I'm not a fan of most racing games. Um, and I love Turfmaster. I think that's a common thing between most of us. I know Corey hasn't played it, but you know, outside of that, I've never really been thrilled with racing games. But you know, for me, I still have a, I kind of have a, a love of anything super thematic. Um, you know, for instance, like, you know, Fantasy Flight has a couple of games. I agree with Chris on, uh, you know, in most, or for the most part, I, I think Fantasy Flight kind of overdoes it on a lot of those. And, you know, some of those games that are just built for theme, like Android and, you know, stuff like that just aren't appealing to me at all. But, <clears throat> You know, with the right, you know, smaller group, I you know, I really enjoy stuff like Runebound. Uh, you know, that goes to that, you know, it's really the same reason why I played War, you know, Warhammer Request, or not Warhammer Quest, um, World of Warcraft, you know, the, you know, having a thematic character that you can level up and, and, you know, do a, a journey on. That stuff has always been appeal, appealing to me, but, you know, for the, with within this game group, surprisingly, one of the games that, you know, I enjoy the most are those, you know, Martin Wallace economic, you know, mind benders that, you know, where I'm stressing out in the first round about, you know, taking myself out of the game and then having to compete, you know, through some, you know, heavy market opposition to, to beat somebody that those tend to be the games that, that I relish the win on more. But yeah, I you know, there's just it's more along it's more along the lines of stuff I just don't like. Wow, we got really quiet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you kinda of brought us all down there, right? What the heck, man? Oh, sorry. Yeah. I mean, like we were all being positive about like these are the things we like, and then you were like, These are the things I don't okay, like. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were all we were all sharing warm fuzzies and you brought a cold prickly into the group. Okay, so that jokingly, what's the game like what's the one game that if someone came up and said Hey, I just bought this and I really want to play it. And you're like, "Yep, well, you ain't playing it with me." 
Just one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dungeon rule. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, that's fair. That's fine. I'm all good with it. Cool. Mine's, mine's always going to be stocks and bonds. Number one really? game in the world. What if Rainer Kinesia came out and said, would you play stocks and bonds with me? I would totally play the game with him. Yeah, the problem with playing uh, stocks and bonds with Kinesia is that the stocks uh, start at one and then go up to two <laughs> and then three. Instead of zero and six. Five. Yeah, yeah. They, the, the, the stock prices never get beyond the numbers one through ten. So stocks and bonds for Jeff. Scott, what about you? God, I'm trying to think of anything that that I have I, I've hated so badly. Like a long, long time ago, I, I played a terrible game called Danger Guy, but there's nobody nobody would actually bring that up to me. <laughs> that sounds like an amazing game. It, you thought it would be, but it is not. It was a it was supposed to be a game that was like based on uh, like stick figure hazards, like the stick figure man they have on like signage and stuff. And you're supposed to get into a bunch of trouble, and the rules were so poorly written that I couldn't, like, four college-educated men could not put together how we were supposed to actually play the game. And, uh, yeah, I just, I hated every every minute of it. Well, then there's also ASL with Isley. Yeah, ASL, I would probably, yeah, if, if Isley came back up to me with ASL, I'd probably just smack it out of his hand and tell him uh, I'm not playing that again. Uh, just because the promise of a 90-minute game was an utter lie. Uh, so there's that part of it. <clears throat> Corey, before you Google that, that's advanced squad leader. Yeah, not a age, sex, location, <laughs> or is it? <laughs> no, it isn't. Um, trying to see what what I might have like said is really, really terrible. Uh, Racco, there we go. Yeah, F, forget Racco for forever. I will. I, I have. I never played Racco with Grandma, so I didn't. I didn't have, like have great nostalgia for it. But then a friend of mine just wanted to play Racco. Uh, and that is an arbitrary and random suck fest. So no, I will never play Racco. I will Racco is the game I would snatch out of your hand and set on fire. Nice. Sounds like a old seventies, eighties like TV game show. It's Racco. it's it's just a terrible game of like the the it's deck rummy, is like right? it's not even rummy. It's like the deck is cards numbered like one through ninety or something like that, and you get you get randomly dealt some of them that go into the rack in front of you that's the rack part of Racco. And the whole game is like like drawing or swapping cards off of the, the discard pile and then reorganizing them so that your goal is that it, 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 at the end of the game that from like the front of your rack is the lowest number and the back of your rack is the highest number and they go up not in sequence but they you know they go from lowest to highest in your rack and that's how you win. What do you think uh, like, against racks? So it's... ten days in Africa, ten days in USA you totally hate because that's the same exact concept. <laughs> At least ten days in Africa, ten days. Those you, I guess it's the the connection. I mean, because you, I I've only played each of those. I played ten days in Africa, ten days in the USA once each. So I I don't have, uh, I don't have as as deep of 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 hate for it. But at least I feel like that with that you have a little bit of options because if you go to a state or you go to someplace like that, there's some place there's more than one thing that borders it. But yeah, no, I just no racco, none for me. Chris? No racco, uh, forty male St. Louis. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, love long walks on the beach. Um, uh, it would have to be Arkham Horror. Um, I would, I would kick that out of someone's hand and stomp on it and then burn it for them, so they can realize that it's not actually a game or something they should enjoy ever. It's just terribly bloated, 
doesn't even tell a story. It's a, it's that, so long. It has lots of bits. It sure does. Like, uh, <laughs> I, you know, Android was a terrible experience. You know, that was like seven hours of telling some PI story that came down to a random die roll at the end. Yeah, like, but at least it had a story. Arkham Horror is just like, hey, should we close this portal? Hey, look, there's some random creature coming out of the bag. The only enjoyable thing I've ever seen done with Arkham Horror is someone used Go Away Monster as the bag where they drew chits out of for the monsters. Like, <laughs> that's, like awesome. that's the only thing. Otherwise, that game can burn, and so can most other games designed by uh, Kevin Wilson, actually. Hmm. What's up, Kevin Wilson? How are you? Um, but Like, you know. like your, uh, your favorite books? That's oh, yeah, yeah. So play. they gave the Mistborn series, you know, a Mistborn game to Kevin Wilson, the guy that designed Arkham Horror. And I love Mistborn. I think it could be an awesome license. I think they could do cool things with it. And they gave it to probably my least favorite designer outside of Corey K at Fantasy Flight. So, <laughs> like, uh, it just, yeah. I, I'll i take a wait and see with it, you know. Maybe they're doing something different with it, but it's a shame. Yeah, also, like this point, too. Yeah. yeah. Corey, what about you? It looked like you were really enjoying Sheriff of Nottingham. <laughs> yeah. As a expert in uh, bluffing, uh, <laughs> that didn't go over so well. I have no idea. I mean, I don't have a frame reference for this, really. Uh, LCR? Let's go with that. That's a good one to burn. That's pretty yeah. terrible. Yeah. Yep. I don't think I've actually played it. I don't know how you haven't either. Oh, once. You should, Chris, you should just, uh, you should make a dungeon roll LCR. I should. It's a, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's a warrior wizard paladin. Yeah, isn't it already? I'm sure I can find a dungeon roll comment that says I liked LCR, but in dungeon roll. Right next <laughs> to the one. one. <laughs> like any name, any terrible game, and there's a comment that says this game is way worse than, you know... Tic-tac-toe or LCR. Yeah. I'd rather spend my time playing Uncle... <laughs> Uncle Wiggly's? <laughs> Uncle Wiggly's... Yes. Puzzle Dungeon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually play that. It's, yep. it's my Just so you know, the, uh, the comment I left for Dungeon Roll is almost as good as Monopoly. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Almost. Almost. Not quite. I mean, there's 4,000, 4, almost 5,000 ratings for Dungeon Roll. That's crazy. It's pretty crazy. I haven't looked at the, the comments in a long time. Hey, there it is. Almost good as Monopoly. Yeah, it's the top <laughs> one there. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, I've got one for Chris Darden. What's the largest name you've ever dropped? <laughs> Ryan Johnson, Ol underscore oh, wow. River underscore. Hey, I changed it in the game industry. I just anything mm, that I've used in a conversation, like, oh yeah, I bet so and so, and I did whatever. Um, that's that's funny. Tom Cruise told me he liked that the other yeah. day. Yeah, probably Ron Jeremy. I think nice because I did meet my Ron Jeremy and talk to him like briefly, and he came up. At some point at work, and I'm like, oh, I met Roger. I've met Ron Jeremy. Have you? Wow. Yeah, did, you, did you not see the picture on my wall when you were over? No. Oh yeah, there's a. It's it's small and it's blurry because it was a crappy disposable camera. But he came and 
did a show in a he was like doing a like a stand up comedy thing and he came to the show in in Lawrence. Alicia and I both went to it and yeah the that was that picture barely came out but it, it's I've got a picture of myself with Ron Jeremy. So you, you came you, twice. No, yeah. you oh! just stand up comedy and Ron Jeremy in the same sentence. It was that... it was a very odd thing. It was like it was a it was called Ron Jeremy's S and M sideshow. Uh, there was some topless women. There was some some comedy. Uh, I felt like the best, one of the funniest things that 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 happened at the whole thing was he he had a little contest where I for, I forget what the contest actually was, but the the winning person won a vibrator, and the and he had a it was a it had a package in a box and it had some woman on the box and he like looked down at the box like oh hey I've got her, <laughs> <laughs> and the best part was that I'm pretty certain yes he he had at some point got her. <laughs> that's funny yeah i mean i met him on set so i don't know no i uh <laughs> yeah, was it, was it amateur fluffer day <laughs> yeah that's right it was take your illegitimate son to work day <laughs> i uh no i would uh i saw that documentary about him okay um and then he showed up with the director like it was some you know thing where they were both there so nice. got to meet him that way nice mine would either be peter satara or hank williams jr Peter Cetera, dropping yeah. that Peter Cetera reference. That's I've got pretty a picture good. of him, too. I ogled Jamie Lee Kurtz's boobs in person. I saw him in trading trading places. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think my best story is uh, uh, walking. We were in Vegas as a family, and I was a little kid. I was like four or something. And I was walking into uh, a casino with my parents, and then out walked uh, Telly Savalas. With a lollipop in his hand. He's like all dressed up, the whole thing. And then uh, he looks at me, he goes, looking good, kid. And then like kept walking. (laughs) (laughs) My parents still tell that story. Like, yeah. It was really Don Rickles and he had a (laughs) slow poke. (laughs) 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 Just sounds better if it's Telly Savalas and a tattoo roll sucker. That's right. All right, one last question. One last no, question. Hold on. I want to know who Corey has met celebrity wise. Um, Sister Hazel bought us a drink after we got engaged at their concert. That was pretty much the biggest, I think, thing for uh, for me. Yeah, it's not a person, band, but you know. He got engaged in the 90s? <laughs> no. Nope. <laughs> no, they weren't popular anymore when I when we got engaged. But they did play it. They did stop the show for us to let me uh, propose and then they Wait. bought us some Jaeger. Sister Hazel was popular. <laughs> oh. <laughs> did you not see Shrek, man? Come on. They had a song in there, right? No. Wait. What song did they have? Did they? I don't remember. No, no, it wasn't Shrek. No, it was Counting Crows. Or did you get engaged in a Smash Mouth concert? <laughs> <laughs> no, Scott. Smash Mouth had more than one hit. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> My wife goes, "They're old. They should know this." That's. <laughs> oh, I know. I know the one Sister Hazel song. Yes. Yeah. No. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Welcome to the group, Corey. This is what we do. <laughs> Ryan, just, did you have any? Uh, no, I mean, I, I really did. I didn't really meet Jamie Lee Curtis. She was uh, in Kansas City at a premiere for was it Blue Thunder or something like the that helicopter movie she was in. Mm-hmm. Blue Thunder. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I saw her from you know 
from five feet away. And, uh, but I know, I mean, the closest I got was, was, uh, being invited out to the big bang theory and, you know, meeting those, those cast members. We, you know, I, I was part of a, an apparel, you know, a geek a board game apparel company called game Inc. Um, and, uh, they actually, the, the, actually of the actors, I think most of them aren't really big gamers. I think that it might've changed now, but, um, the guy that does the, is the comic book shop owner. That guy is actually in the games and like he's on the, uh, on BGG and he had bought some of our shirts and I guess he told their prop master that, you know, th- these shirts were, you know, even more obscure and geeky than the ones they wear. And so she bought most of our stuff and invited us out. And so I got to meet those guys. Cool. Yeah. Fun. All right. Last, uh, la- last question. Oh, hold, hold yeah. not only did I meet Ron Jeremy, uh, but the one that uh, everyone, you, you guys harassed me about uh, to no end. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that I, I, I played uh, resistance with uh, Don Eskridge uh, the designer of the game, as well as television actor Richard Summer, uh, known for what roles? Uh, he, well, he was on Mad Men. He's been on other stuff. Is he Australian? No, he's not Australian. <laughs> <laughs> but he should be. I've I've shown Rich Summer an inappropriate picture of Franklin the Turtle once. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Rich Summer got to uh, see the last round of our Eat Poop You Cat one year. That was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm certain it was scarring. <laughs> it was. I think that was. I think that was the Goldilocks year. That's what I influenced think it was. his acting in Mad Men. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> All right, Ryan. You say you have one last question. Yeah, completely unrelated to gaming. Okay. Because we were, we were talking about it earlier. Favorite cartoon show ever. Go. Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy. Or, well, mm, Powerpuff Girls. No, Ren and Stimpy. No, Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. Yep, same here. Uh, I, I still am, you know, it, it just got done for, for the season. Uh, I'm going to wait the two more years for the next, ep- next uh, round of Venture Brothers because I absolutely love that show, top to bottom. Chris? Man, I think it might be C-Lab 2020. Nice. From 2020 or 2021? 2021. From a newer perspective. I don't know. I mean, there's so many good ones. I, I love Freakazoid as a kid. Oh, classic! Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, or Adventure Time. Like, I'm a big Adventure Time fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Adventure Adventure Time fan too. And back in the day, it was Thundar or nothing. Thundar, <laughs> Thundar, Thundar. Princess Ariel. Oh God! <laughs> I've made the mistake of trying to rewatch like old Transformers or GI Joes as an adult. Oh, they're terrible. Oh yeah. yeah, or He-Man at the same at the same token. Yeah. Just, now the new stuff, I like. I can't wait to see more Rick and Morty. Yeah, oh, I love Rick and Morty as well. Got yeah, that uh, really good. Although I have to rescind my Ren and Stimpy and say that Archer, far and away, has blown away any other cartoon I've ever watched. Danger yeah. Zone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ren and Stimpy's still like the, the my favorite classic. And, yeah, you know, Tom I, and Jerry, you know, classic. But Archer's just. I loved Avatar too. Oh god, yeah. that was so good. Yeah. Last Airbender is actually a really good show mm-hmm. from top to bottom. So was the, the second one. Uh Legend of Korra? Yeah, Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. as good as the movies though. Or the movies. Right. Yeah. You know, so I heard good. they were getting a that's getting a like a 
a redo. A redux. Yeah, it needs one without Shyamalan and the driver's seat. Yeah. The other one, Attack on Titan. I really enjoyed that, too. Yeah, that's really oh, yeah. good. Recently. I think my favorite current one is Bob's Burgers. I love yeah. that. I like Bob's Burgers as well. Still working my way through the, uh, the season on Netflix. Or through the, the, the series, rather, on Netflix. It's a great series. Yeah. Well, that's good. I don't have to unfriend anybody for saying Beavis and Butthead or The Simpsons. What about Friendship is Magic? I mean, no love for the bronies? Okay, never mind. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm a major brony. Yeah. yeah. I like my little pony. Yeah, it's good. Oh, man. Applejack? I mean, if, you, if you're favorite, a Dexter Favorite fan, pony? Like, you know. <laughs> Chris, favorite pony? Uh, Pinkie Pie. That's a good one. Yep, Applejack for me. She's sassy. I, I feel like I feel like I don't know you people. Come on, no, uh, favorite pony, Scott. Come on. I don't I don't know I don't you know or either, what you're talking too. about. Fa- and, okay, uh, favorite Smurf. Um, Jokey, of course. Yeah. yeah. Jokey, pokey, <laughs> thrusty, thrusty the Smurf. Gargamel. <laughs> I really liked Clockworks Smurfs. Yeah, the allegory there. <laughs> Terrible. The father time, like that's my Smurf mm-hmm. character. <laughs> oh, what was the cat's name? Azrael. Azrael, yeah. Yep. Now, see, Scott, that's that's why you're here. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's also a, it's like a uh, uh, a good name for a uh, for a terrible goth girl. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like one that tells you to meet her in the graveyard. Uh huh. Uh huh. So you can go to Hot Topic later. <laughs> or well, Torrid. Oh, uh, now, now who's dating themselves? <laughs> Hot Topic. Is that even still around? The... Yeah, Hot Topic's yeah, still, still around. around. I uh, it will never die. Torrid was years ago. there earlier today buying a duct tape wallet. Where yeah. else do you get Adult Swim t shirts from? I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, I was walking by one. This girl was taking surveys. She's like, "What? Uh, excuse me, sir." Yeah, which you know made me feel old instantly. Anyway, it's like, "What's your favorite band?" I'm like, "The Smiths." I'm like, "How do you smell that?" I I don't know what they're talking about. I'm like, "No, no, it's yeah, it's okay. Don't write it down." <laughs> just, just walked away sadly. You know, that is sad. Yeah, I should have buy all my Invader Sim Invader Zim stuff there. Oh god, yep. Invader Zim back like I've tried to watch it now again and it's not as funny as it was, but Invader Zim was like it was irreverent back then. Mm-hmm. Right. Have you guys watched Over the Garden Wall? Anybody? Nope. Over the Garden Wall? Yeah. I don't know what that is. You if you're if you're an animation fan, which it sounds like we all are, you definitely need to watch it's uh it's on Netflix. I think it's only one only made one. It's like a mini series cartoon. Okay. Uh, Is that the spinoff of Grey Gardens? <laughs> nah, it's wow. worth it's worth, you could you can knock it out at night and it's totally worth it. Just oh hey crazy. Chris, you can uh, you can show Hazel Watership Down and she can be horrified like we were <laughs> as children. <laughs> that would be awesome. I did make the mistake of showing her the never ending story. Oh and yeah. then that freaking horse Shame. drowns in quicksand. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm like, oh god. He oh god. Scarring he doesn't moment. drown per se. He's merely consumed by sadness. <laughs> That's so much better. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I remember. I mean, I I must have watched Watership Down as like as a pretty young kid, and was just horrified 
that like I, and like for years I was scared of rabbits. Like those things will rip your throat out. <laughs> so, Scott, you're right. you're uh, you're fading. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the fade. Well, I'm 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 fading. I'm looking at the clock. Um, let's uh let's do a quick uh quick tag sign off. I'll do a, a Ludo tag and then then I'll call it call it good. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. Do it. Yeah, I mean this is introductory, so yeah, it's introductory. Yeah. Well, for the uh, for the ULP, uh, I am. I'm Scott Reed. I'm at Ludography Scott on Twitter. This is Ryan Johnson. I'm at Old River Studios on Twitter. I'm Chris Darden at CB Darden. I'm Jeff Rupert at Ludography Jeff on Twitter. I am Corey Wright. I am at Be Sublime on Twitter. The ULP is a production of Ludography.net. Uh, Ludography.net, a speed bump on the way to Skynet. Thanks for listening, everybody. Games, games, games. 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 <laughs>